absolutely reach out to somebody, reach out to a trusted person, whether it is somebody in your religious community, whether it's a friend, a family member, a colleague, reach out to somebody because there are people that are there to support you and want to support you. And they really want to be able to help. And if you are in a situation where you're like, I don't have any trusted person. There's some great online resources. 211 is a local resource, Help Network. They do a great job. They have specialists that are trained to talk individuals through their mental health symptoms. There's also crisis text lines. So maybe you're not comfortable placing a phone call. You could send a text. You can get online and you can send a message that way. But just reach out to somebody, anybody. Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's featured message. Hi, it's Mike with the Portage County Safety Council. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Koya from the Ohio BWC. Welcome back to the podcast, Nick. Mike, as usual, I am excited to be here, and it's just always fun to come up with all these new topics that we're going to talk about. Um, sometimes they're serious, sometimes they're a little more light, but today is a topic I think is really relevant in our atmosphere, and I'm really excited about this. So thanks for getting our speaker together with us. Yeah, so with that being said, we're at the end of our Mental Health Awareness Month. It is the beginning of May, obviously, but we're doing the, the program. We put some things out there already with Kelly Youngkins. And Kelly said, hey, I have a friend, Katie, you got to bring on. She's really good. You need someone to talk about suicide. I'm like, yes, we do. So, Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Mike and Nick, for having me. So you come highly recommended, no pressure. But for our listeners that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. I'm the Director of Clinical Services at the Trumbull County Mental Health and Recovery Board, and I chair the Trumbull County Suicide Prevention Coalition. So, Katie, we're here to talk about suicide. So before we get into the prevention and the warning signs and all that good stuff we're going to talk about to help people, like how big of a deal is suicide in the United States? Suicide's a, a huge deal. And especially with the pandemic, we have seen an increase. Thankfully, we have not seen an increase here in Trumbull County. There is data that shows that there has been an increase throughout the pandemic as individuals are isolated, they're working remote, or maybe they lost their job, unfortunately. We have parents that are now working remote and then also trying to balance their children's education and becoming teachers. And so lots of financial pressure and family pressure that can increase some depression, anxiety, and then potentially suicidal ideation. Now, Nick, you had some statistics for the construction industry that I think is just mind-blowing when it comes to suicide. Can you yeah. tell us about those real quick? Yeah. So, you know, in the safety realm where I come from, we're always looking at statistics. We're trying to figure out what's happening and where we need to, to focus our efforts. And it's always been on machine guarding or ladder safety. But, you know, we really try, we're, we're safety in health. So we're, we're expanding our realm. We're looking at new things. And the CDC had a recent study they did where they were looking at suicide in the construction industry. And in the construction industry, it's twice the total suicide rate for civilian working men. So construction workers are at twice that, that number. They also say that it is five times greater than the rate for all fatal work-related industries in the construction industry. So really, suicide is a big driver of construction worker fatalities in that industry. And so it's become an alarming rate. CDC has identified this as a concern. And so the Department of Labor has put some marketing pieces together. And we, you know, through the Portage County Safety Council, have identified this and mental health as a major concern. And how do we correct that? And I think this is one way is we need to start talking about it 
in normalizing it. Katie, how do we begin to approach it? What are some warning signs if, you know, some of our construction folks are out there and they're, they're saying, you know, it's always hindsight 2020, right? Well, I knew there was something going on. Or we see even like an active shooter situation. And then you look back and people said, well, you know, there was these three, four, five, six warning signs that maybe we should have took more seriously. What are some warning signs for suicide on the construction site, in schools, in our families? Just in general, what are some things that people that may be struggling with this tend to do before it's too late? Yeah, that's a great question. Some warning signs to look for would be any changes in someone's behaviors. So whether that is an individual that was very social and now they're isolating more, someone that's usually upbeat and pretty happy and now they're presenting as more sad, changes in their appetite, any sleep changes, their thinking patterns, those would be some signs to look for. You know, did they used to really enjoy doing certain activities, whether it's being active and working out or going out with friends and family, and those activities no longer bring any joy to their life. Now, have we seen a major increase since the advent of social media? I know a lot of people blame it for everything, but have we seen an increase there or just modern technology is having an impact on that? So I don't have data to back that. So I I won't say yes or no, but I will say I think it definitely does have an impact on individuals, especially the adolescent population. We see individuals being bullied online and that can lead to depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, you know, them isolating in general or just questioning why am I here if nobody likes me? So we do see that within the youth and young adult population for those that are utilizing social media and then they're experiencing issues with their peers. You mentioned something real good because it was a question I had in the very beginning of my thought process about this. How many people that struggle with suicide, and I'm not looking for a number, but how common is it, I guess, for other mental health issues to be connected to someone? Like, you know, you mentioned depression, anxiety. You know, we we see PTSD a lot out there. How do these things intertwine and work with one another for someone that could be struggling with suicide? Is that a common thing? You maybe see one, two, three, or four of these kind of tied together for someone wrestling with suicide? Yeah, absolutely. And also substance abuse. Some individuals will turn to substance abuse, which that could exasperate then the suicidal ideation, and then they could be more impulsive while under the influence. So substance abuse is also tied into this, can be tied into this in some cases, but definitely with suicidal ideation, you know, anytime somebody's thinking of taking their own life, we can only imagine how sad they feel to not feel like they belong in this world. And so it would definitely relate to depression and and maybe some anxiety, maybe being so anxious, you know, and just a little bit ago, we talked about the financial responsibility and family responsibilities and that anxiety associated with how do I pay my bills or where is my family going to sleep tomorrow night and and what do I do and where do I go? You know, I feel like culture and our environment play into this a lot too. You know, the environment that we live in, the people that we're around, just societal demands, I think, drives the, this focus. But I also think it's it's hard for, especially, and I relate this back to construction, but I see it in manufacturing too, that man culture, right? Like, I'm not going to go get help. I don't need to talk about my feelings. I don't need to talk about this. And so does that bottle up and that leads down this path because we have this cultural or environmental issues that don't allow for open communication? 
Yeah, it, it absolutely can. And and we also see that in our first responder population. There's a lot of stigma associated with first responders reaching out and asking for help. But males in general, that's an area that um, our coalition is specifically targeting is to show to show men that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to have feelings. You are human. And, and sometimes we're not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. So definitely that there continues to be a stigma associated with males reaching out for mental health treatments. However, I really appreciate that we see role models within the media that are reaching out and talking about their mental health so that it does open those doors and it can show others that it's okay. If you're not weak for reaching out, it takes a lot of strength to say, I'm not okay and, and who can help me? You know, I think we have to work as a society to start to change some of that that persona. You know, we talk about this. I think it's a common line that Mike and I have used this entire month is if I have, you know, blood pressure issues, I'll take a pill really fast. But mental health issues, I'm not willing to have it checked out. And so I think we as, you know, core coalitions such as yours, safety professionals starting to normalize the conversation around this is important because that's the only way we're going to affect some change within society and our workplaces to make sure we all go home at the end of the day. And, it, and that's the ultimate goal. Absolutely. And that's a great point. I use that example with insulin. Would, you know, if your family member, your friend said, hey, I have to take my insulin. Would you be like, why are you taking insulin? Why are you taking care of your medical condition? Like you shouldn't be taking that. We would never say that to somebody who's diabetic and, and who relies on insulin. So why would we treat somebody that way who, who is taking a psychotropic medication or an antidepressant? So what do we do to start to implement some prevention strategies at home, at school, or in the workplace? What are some things that we can do as people in the field to start to make a difference? I'd say first talking about it. You know, it, it sounds so simple. However, some people, there's still this stigma that one, if we talk about it, then we're going to put these ideas into somebody's head. And the other is if we talk about it, then we accept it. So there is still this stigma and it's like can be taboo to talk about mental health. Whereas the more we talk about it, the more we're able to put it out there and people feel, you know, comfortable coming to you is whether it's a family member, whether it you're um, a colleague, whether you're a supervisor, people then feel more comfortable coming and saying, hey, I have this going on right now and I'm feeling this way. I, and I don't know what to do. So talking about it is definitely the first step to help, you know, decrease the stigma associated with mental health so that others feel more comfortable and they don't feel like they're being shamed or they're going to be judged when they open up. Katie, are there any companies that you know that you think does a real good job of reaching out and talking about suicide? And, you know, because anytime we talk about this mental health, it doesn't matter what issue we're talking about, suicide, depression, anxiety. It just seems like hindsight 2020, again, there's so many warning signs that we could go back. Are there any companies out there that bring up these topics, bring up suicide, and they have that kind of permission, I guess, that open door kind of mm -hmm. thing where the employees feel safe enough where they could come? Uh, I know, I think it was out in Joggin County, I've heard they, some companies joined together and mm -hmm. threw in funds. And I, I think it, the United Way is kind of the fiscal officer for it, but they send a resource officer on site to different manufacturing companies. And that way it's a third party. It's not going to HR. They're, they don't feel they're going to get in trouble or get mm -hmm. blackballed, so to speak. But they have someone that is a social worker that knows resources that could send them to if they need further help on site in there. Do you know any companies in your area that they do this thing right and this is what they do? 
So I was previously employed at Coleman Health Services, and I know there, anytime we had an individual who was struggling with their mental health or substance abuse, they would come to a supervisor and the organization would send them to treatment or support them if they needed uh, to take, take off to go to different appointments to see whether it was their counselor or a psychiatrist. So they're very supportive. And I would only assume, since we also work very closely with Compass and Valley Counseling here, and we also work very close with Trapco, I would assume that our local community providers have that same culture. Um, you know, we are a little biased because we're mental health professionals. So we right. want people to open up and we don't shame them for opening up. But I, I guess that it's also heartwarming to know that not only are these organizations practicing with clients, but they're also preaching it to the clinicians as well so that they're, you know, actually practicing what they preach. Yes, that's real important, especially since you mentioned earlier that this is a struggle for first responders. They have no Mm -hmm. outlet or they have a fear of being vulnerable enough to come out. So because of stigma. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about strategies for prevention. Now, let's say we have a relative or someone in our home or work or wherever but we know they're wrestling with suicide or suicidal thoughts. And what are some prevention strategies like, okay, this is time to call for help. This is time to call 911, whatever it is, to reach out and say, here it is. This is getting serious. It's not just talk anymore that it's a major issue. I would say the first thing we need to do is acknowledge that they're not attention seeking and it's not a joke or they're not just doing it to get a reaction. Sometimes we'll hear that where, oh, they're just saying it. They just want our attention. And, you know, I always go to if somebody is looking for attention and their way of asking for your attention is to say that they don't want to live anymore, that is alarming. And so you should take that serious. Whether they have a plan and intent, anybody that that says that they don't want to live, I take that very serious. Next, we look at, do they have a plan? So do they have a plan to carry out these thoughts? And the next, do they have intent? So, you know, what is stopping them from carrying this out? Are they going to, are they saying, I'm going to carry this out. I'm doing this in a week. I'm doing this in a month or, oh, I'm only going to do this if I lose my job or if I do bad on a test or I can't pay my bills. And then also looking at protective factors. So do they have strong family support, strong peer supports? Are they employed? Do they align with any religion? Do they enjoy working out? So you can ask somebody, you know, what's, what's stopping you from harming yourself? And I've heard clients that will say, you know, I believe in God and I could never do that. And so then we know that they have strong religious values. More individuals will say, you know, I have a family at home that I have to support and I have, you know, family and friends and I have plans this week. So then we know, you know, they have strong protective factors. But I want to to say just because somebody has strong protective factors does not mean that they are not going to carry this out. So there are lots of things that we weigh when we're assessing for risk. You know, so if I'm a plant manager or I'm the construction foreman, And I'm starting to see some indications. There's indicators happening there that you've talked about a little bit. What's my reaction? What do I do as that person on the outside seeing this happening for those that I'm responsible for? How do do I react to that? What should I do? Great question. First and foremost, I would say, you know, I I think it's nice to thank people for opening up. Because for someone to come to you and say that they are having thoughts of not wanting to live or they're experiencing mental health symptoms, Like, thank you for being so vulnerable and thank you for opening up. And how can I help you? 
what do you need from me in this moment? And sometimes people can't voice what they need or they are like, well, I'm having these thoughts, but I don't want anybody to know. And I don't want, you know, don't, you don't need to say anything. You don't need to make a big deal about this and being able to normalize it and go back to, I know that you're feeling this way and it's okay to not be okay, but you can't tell me this and I not do anything for you. I care too much about you to not do anything. And so that helps an individual so that they don't feel shame of, you know, if it does escalate and you need to refer them and provide them with with some resources, there's not that shame or, you know, those feelings of like, well, now there's a problem because if I have to get help, then, then I clearly have a problem and something's wrong with me. So let's flip the script a little bit on this. And let's say that it's me having those thoughts, those feelings, things are triggering in my head. Obviously I want to talk to somebody or, or whatever. What are some self-help, some pieces that we should do in, when those emotions maybe are arising for those listeners out there? Absolutely reach out to somebody. Reach out to a trusted person, whether it is somebody in your religious community, whether it's a friend, a family member, a colleague, reach out to somebody because there are people that are there to support you and want to support you. And they really want to help, be able to help and provide resources. And if you are in a situation where you're like, I don't have any trusted person, there's some great online resources. 211 is a local resource, Help Network. They do a great job. They have specialists that are trained to talk individuals through their their mental health symptoms. There's also crisis text lines. So maybe you're not comfortable placing a phone call. You could send a text. You can get online and you can send a message that way. But just reach out to somebody, anybody. This is great information. And and I think it's just so important that we start to have these conversations like you talked about. And a lot of the people that listen to our podcast are safety directors, safety trainers, um, and HR managers. So what's that one piece of information that you want them to take away today? If they could do something different at the construction site, in the facility, or even at home, what is something we can do to, to, to promote this message, but also to keep those around us safe and healthy at the end of the day? I would say absolutely change your culture and communicate. So if your culture does not welcome individuals talking about their feelings or you don't want to get involved if somebody you know they're experiencing something at home, ask about it. You know, if your coworkers dealing with a loss or a divorce or maybe issues with their child, you know, say, hey, even saying, hey, I I get if you don't want to talk about it. I just want to let you know I support you and I'm here if you do want to talk about it. And that opens the door and it gives them the power then to say, hey, I don't want to talk about it. Or you know what? Actually, I do need to get this off my chest. So being able to change that culture and show people, again, I'll go back to, it is okay to not be okay. We are human and we have emotions. And if we don't have emotions, I'd be concerned. So just showing individuals that reaching out does not make you weak. It takes a lot of strength to be vulnerable and to show people, you know, that when we're not feeling our best, that, that to me is so strong. And so just changing that verbiage as well, that it's not a weakness. Like you are so strong to be vulnerable and be open with me right now. And I want to end on this question because this is a struggle. You know, I've had some folks close to me that struggle with this. When a family member goes through it, not necessarily may die from suicide, but maybe struggling with suicidal thoughts. There's like this huge shame, guilt. What if I would have been a better parent, if I would have been a better boss? It's almost like almost more traumatizing. All losses are traumatizing. 
even if there's not a loss, it's traumatizing to think that we could have had some kind of influence in this. And it may or may not be the case. But what would you tell those coworkers, you know, that maybe I was a little too hard on this person or the boss or the mom or dad or the siblings, you know, that wrestle with that shame? Because especially in the events where there hasn't been a death, that can almost like hinder the moving forward out of that for that person. So I don't know if you have any advice or tips for them that they could say, like, hey, listen, the parents and families that I've worked with, this is what they've done successfully to kind of walk through the process together as a family. I'm going to go back to communicating. For somebody to carry that guilt, I can, can only imagine the guilt associated with that. But being able to say, you know, if, if you knew, if you knew this person was going to act on this, would you have done A, B, or C? And majority of the time it's no. You know, would you have yelled at your child or would you have fought with your husband or wife if you knew that would make them feel this way? No, we wouldn't have done that. And so our, our intention in those moments is not to do harm to others. We're interacting with an individual and we don't always realize the impact that it has. And so going back to the intention of were any of those interactions, was there any you know, negative intention. And most of the time there isn't. And so that's just working through that guilt and being able to talk about that and acknowledging that, you know, we can have good intentions, but sometimes we're not the best parent that we want to be. And we're not the best professional that we want to be because we're not perfect and, and we're not expected to be perfect. But what can we do moving forward? And what we can do is communicate and ask that person what they need from us and, and create that, you know, that relationship where there's that open door that they know they can come to us. Some great information. And Katie, we really appreciate you uh, hopping online with us today and doing this. Information is so powerful. And, it, you know, we hope that through our podcast and things that you do out there that we can get information out there. So if the listeners want to call you, they want to get in contact with you, what are some resources and, you know, talk a little bit about what you do and how that's available so at the Trumbull County Mental Health Board, we don't actually service any clients, but we are here as a resource and we will connect you to our community partners. So we work very closely with Valley Counseling, Compass, Coleman Health Services, and Travco. Those are the agencies that we refer to frequently and work very closely with. But anybody can call at any time. They can call me at 330 Six seven five two seven six five. I would be more than willing to provide them with resources, talk through anything, and assist them the best of my ability. Help Network is also one of our partners, and they do a great job. You can call two one one. They have a plethora of resources, not just mental health resources, housing for food and family, or if you have a family member with developmental disabilities and you don't know what to do, two one one is such a great resource. So the, those are our providers in Trumbull County that we refer to most often. But again, anybody is more than welcome to call me, whether they're in Trumbull County or not, and I will assist them to the best of my ability. Mike, thank you for putting this podcast together and uh, connecting us with Katie. Katie, once again, thank you for your knowledge um, in these conversations. I think it's so important to workers here in the great state of Ohio. And to all of our listeners, we hope that each and every one of you are healthy and stay safe out there. And everyone have a great day. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.